Welcome to the Doghouse. I'm Diana. And I'm David. It's Riverdale Season 5, Episode 13, Reservoir Dogs. While helping Eric deal with his PTSD, Archie is forced to confront his own past trauma in the Army. To find the lonely highway killer, Betty and Tabitha come up with a way to lure truckers to Pops. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I don't know if it's because we were expecting the biggest shit show that we were pleasantly surprised by this, or if this was actually a pretty decent episode. Well, both. 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 We can just say both. <laughs> While I don't love that they use dog fighting, I thought the handling of it was done really well. I love everything that's going on with Archie. Like, I don't like the, what's happening to him, but I makes total sense and works for character growth in him. So I'm here for it. I am 100% on board with what's happening between Tabitha and Betty. Because again, totally makes sense. It's a reasonable plan. I, I love what's going on with Veronica and Reggie. More of them. They have more fucking chemistry than Archie and Veronica have ever had. I'm calling it now. Those two are going to bone. And I'm here for it. This. Where my enthusiasm stops is what's going on with Kevin. Yeah. Trauma props. Trauma prop. If you haven't heard us say that before, that is uh, a lot of what all of the LGBTQIA plus and BIMPOC characters have been used for the history of the show constantly. And Kevin Keller who has just been wasted in so many ways. And it seems like everything that's happening here is a rehash. Kind of the same with Cheryl. I will, I will say some of Cheryl's scenes were actually really good for her character and that the advice she was doling out was actually decent advice. But it's, it's just layered in a lot of bullshit that I'm not okay with. And then, you know, she makes a really homophobic statement, which is also not okay. So um, that's the part of the story that I'm thoroughly pissed about. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, the quick how we felt about this, or I felt about this. I didn't have much more. I mean, I, I hate what they've done with Kevin and Cheryl. I thoroughly despise yeah. it. You know, what, what you say with Cheryl, it really just boils down to, like, the problem is, is that it's Cheryl that's the one saying all of this. It's Cheryl that finally is bringing all of this to Kevin. And yeah. Cheryl is in absolutely no position to be telling him any of this shit. <laughs> yeah, we'll deep dive more into it when we get to the scenes. But I will I will actually say I don't have that much of a problem with the dogfighting of it, specifically because I thoroughly thought that they were going to pull a whole bullshit story arc mm -hmm. about this thing. Yeah. And they didn't. They made it one little detail in sure. something that's far more different and nuanced. Sure. And it, it's a reasonable explanation for a town that's just devolved into chaos, mm -hmm. which is, you know, it's, a, it's Riverdale. It's not like the highest thinking in the universe on the plot. Yeah. But to then say, we are going to use this one little thing of it to talk about this dog that we've rescued. Mm -hmm. That was a much different thing than I thought they were going to do. Exactly. And uh, that was great. That was really good. Uh-huh. I have like minor things in that, but overall it was, it was well done. And uh, so I'm, I'm not mad about it. So we start off with, um, we're in some trenches, uh, some real world war two style trenches. Um, and this, this was, this was one thing that consistently felt off. Riverdale takes place in this timeless place where it's modern, but it's meant to feel retro and that's fine. And I feel like that's what they were trying to do here, but it doesn't work. 
It doesn't work. If they wanted to pull off this flashback to wartime and have it exist as part of their timelessness, they really needed to go full in on the look, on the World War II look. Everyone's fatigues needed to be World War II. Everything about the filming style, maybe do it in that sepia toned and just make it really feel like a flashback because they've done that before. The episode where they did the noir story, the episode where Jughead had his little break and he imagined everyone in the 50s comic book style like they've done that before. So this would make complete sense for Archie reliving those moments through that lens. I mean, maybe it bothers me more and partly because we've already mentioned World War Two. Mm-hmm. We've already mentioned it in a in a story arc because we show the photo of the soldiers going off to war. But see, that's another thing. It would call back to that time for Archie. And if that's how he's processing things, fine, because these are dreams. Yeah, you could do that. But for me, it's also that much easier just to be like, no, we're in an outpost in the Middle East, which is where most of this stuff has happened. Mm -hmm. And just make it really simple. There are lots of shows. Lord knows every freaking CBS crime drama has done some kind of an episode where they cheaply created an Iraqi front on their own time. So it's not like the CW couldn't do it. That's really kind of my problem is it's lazy to not just say, you know what, let's make it relevant. (laughs) Well, they were never going to do that because then they have to get specific. And then now as we're recording this, we have a bunch of shit going on again. So yeah, they needed to make a choice and they made neither. Yeah, that's fair. That that's that really problem. is the biggest problem. Yeah. And I honestly would be f- I would have been fine if they would have made this like no, we're going full retro because even in the first jump episode when we see Archie, he's waking up in hospital. That hospital is styled to look vintage. Yeah. It weirded me out then, it weirds me out now, but that's just me. <laughs> well, and then also we must discuss Archie's dip dye hair because <laughs> it's it's practically glowing off of his scalp. Is it just me or is this season? Has it been way too fucking neon? Like, it's been bad. It just depends on the episode. And it, you know, I mean, it's just that like, oh, you just came from the shop. Like, it looks horrible. And then they light it in a way and it's just like, it's bad. Your hair does look neon. It is awful. Especially those shots and pops at night. Yeah. That's like, yo, y'all got to find a different color because this is not working. Y'all need to light him differently or you need to grease him up before you put him in those lights because it ain't good. It ain't, <laughs> it's, it's not good. Not with this blue tint you put on everything. Yeah, it's bad. So we're starting on this and it's Archie helping Jackson. And we see Jackson's leg is missing and Archie's just trying to figure out what to do. And then we hear glass shattering and Archie wakes up and he's in a like a cold sweat. Like you can see it on him. Like, okay, he was having a nightmare. But then he, he's heard this glass break and he goes downstairs and Eric or Jackson has got his gun and he's looking out the window and that's what he's broken. And he is yelling out contact two o'clock, 150 meters contact two o'clock, 130 meters. And Archie realizes, oh, he's in it. He's he's basically sleepwalking. He's like, stand down, stand down. And then Eric puts the gun on him. He's like, it's me. Don't shoot. And all of a sudden, Frank comes up behind him and puts him in a sleeper hold. Yeah, (laughs) that's some real shit. 
And what did I say last section when we when we realized that Eric had an issue? Lock up his gun. Those guns better get the fuck out of here. They they need to get those guns out of that house. Nobody is safe in that house with three men who have been through PTSD. Uh-uh. No. This is stupid. And that is one thing that I do have a problem with this story. At no point did they address that issue. No, they don't. I have to commend them for we gave that that qualifier on the styling of the episode. Sure. The content is really good, though. The content is good. I have no problem with that. Yeah. This is, for me, is the same as how long did it take for us to get a comment about birth control with all of the sex going on? <laughs> like, for a CW show that is targeted at teenagers, it took us too long to have a, a mention about safe sex too long this here okay now we actually see ptsd threatening someone's life and we need to have a comment about that just show us a gun safe just show us the gun safe just show us that you've put one in the garage we're locking everything up and frank can say i've changed the combination until we know everyone's good no one's got access to this okay it goes right into the fact that they, they're all they're looking for treatment for Eric. They are. It's, they're not taking him away. It's just like we're making everybody else safe because they are not that is not safe. It's such a uh, the laziness. The laziness abounds. It's it's quite telling. Yes, I'm very pro gun control. The end. Gun safety at minimum. Just uh prop safe. This is, this is not safe. This is not this is not safe so gun ownership. It's just unsafe for everyone. Then we we get uh Betty driving a truck and Tabitha radioing her. From Pops. Uh, Nighthawk, can you hear me? Loud and clear, base station. It's very cute. And like, okay, they've got a plan. They've figured yes. something out. Betty's tracking truckers and she's staying in contact with Tabitha. All right, cool. So Betty decides to follow this one truck and it goes off the road. And so she goes off the road too. And so she's kind of following him. And then she kind of acts like she's down to have some fun. And <laughs> so they go over to this guy's truck and she's like, oh, well, before we, I get in, we need to make sure you have cash. And the guy says, that's exactly what I need to hear. And he pounds trailer. And then all of a sudden agents start coming out and he flips that FBI. She goes, wait, this is a mistake. I'm with the FBI too. And she throws her badge up, which she's not with the FBI. No, she's not. No. And then all of a sudden, no, you're not, Betty. You quit, remember? And it's Glenn. <laughs> and she's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to clean up the Lonely Highway, which, okay, he is actually doing some work. And she's like, by entrapping young women, you should be helping them, not arresting them. Thank you. I appreciate that. She's like, I should have stabbed you harder when I had the chance. That made me laugh so hard. I was so happy when I heard that. Like, I was like, <laughs> yeah, like, like, you shouldn't be arresting women. You should no. be helping them. Very true. This is what we do all the time. I wish I would have stabbed you harder because I had totally forgotten that she did stab him. <laughs> that was great. And then he's just like, you know, it's illegal to impersonate an FBI agent. Like you shouldn't have that badge or gun, which when she quit would have been the first things they took from her. Yeah. No, no, no. That's <laughs> we're, we're going to get into that. That's another that's another minor secondary problem I have with this episode is the complete illegality of what these two schemers are doing, Betty and Veronica. Like, 
all of this is just like, that's so fucking illegal. Nope, so fucking illegal. Completely. And and here's the other sad part, is that if she managed to do all this work and mm-hmm. actually managed to trap a guy, mm-hmm. none of it would be usable in court. None of it. Uh, it depends. But I don't have a problem with her doing illegal shit. But the fact that after she quit, they didn't pull her badge and her gun, which would have been <laughs> the first fucking thing they did because of this type of thing. And especially if he's been profiling her, which we knew Glenn was, he would have known that this was in her character. Duh. Ah, the FBI, ladies and gentlemen. The FBI in Riverdale. And so she hands him over. So that's gone. And then we cut to Cheryl walking in the forest with a cape and a lantern. It's Red Riding Hood. Yeah, it's Red Red Riding, Cheryl. And she sees a figure by a tree. And she's like, Kevin? And then we see Kevin's face. And he's got a hat on. He pulls it down. And then he runs off. And... Cheryl just goes, ah, oh, compulsion. My name is Kevin of Finland, which I don't really, what, what's, you know, what that reference was? Toms of Finland, the gay clothing and bondage art related collective. They are, they're very much a fixture in 80s gay culture. They, uh, it's, it's such a stupid and quite frankly, homophobic reference. It was just unnecessary. It was just, it's just been, ah, uh, Kevin, like that's enough. No, no, they just, for some reason, they needed to sneak a Tom's of Finland reference in there to talk about Kevin because because it's so kinky that he's cruising in the woods. Yeah, it's so obnoxious. The show just, it's it's okay to make really homophobic jokes towards men, but if someone even says shit about Cheryl, oh no, it's super homophobic. We can't say that in this world. Uh, yeah. When they wouldn't let the uh, cheerleaders do the prom or whatever it was. And they're like, that's homophobic. This fucking show, man. Yeah, it's it's pretty awful. Ugh. Yeah. So we go back to Andrew's house and Frank is asking Archie some questions. And he's like, hey, does Eric have chronic nightmares? And Archie's like, yeah, it looks like he was living in it. And then Frank looks at Archie and goes, what about you? And it's when he starts doing that. Um, he's like, uh, yeah, at first, but I haven't had one in months, which we know is a lie. Oh, yeah. Like, we just saw him have one. Um, and it's just like, and then and then Frank is just like, yeah, you know, some guys, the only way back is with professional help. Um, what about that recovery place? And Archie explains what happened. And Frank says, okay, well, don't give up. Uh, I'm going to go look into something else. Okay. All right. You know, it's important to remember that Frank did serve. And then he was in a black ops group doing stuff. <laughs> Yeah, that security, armed security stuff. He was a mercenary. <laughs> and he was a mercenary, yeah. He was a gun for hire. <laughs> yeah, Frank's seen some shit. So much shit. So he's not unfamiliar with what's going on with these guys. Great. No. So then we head over to Veronica's jewelry store, and Reggie's there. And she's walking in with some papers, and he's like, what's that? It's like, these are leads. I got it on the down low from one of my former colleagues in New York. Names of fat cats with money burning holes in their pockets. And Reggie's a little taken aback with this. He's like, what? You're branching out from jewelry? And Veronica lays it out very clearly. I have to make money, real money, to replace everything that Chad lost in his Ponzi scheme. Okay? She's like, I'm responsible for this, so I got to do this. So I have to get back into investment banking. And Reggie asks the question, don't you have to be on Wall Street to do that? Common misconception. All you need is two things, this and names, which means it's time to make it rain. 
To which I wrote, she's going to get so arrested. I love it. But I love it, though. <laughs> I want her to get I want her and Reggie to get arrested for this. I'm so here for it. Because that's the next play. Like, th- there is a level at which she is not wrong. There, If you have a solid investment and you bring it, you you can do stuff without being registered. But if it's worth a certain amount of money, pretty fucking quick, the red tape starts flying. <laughs> well, you have to be insured. Please, if you have the opportunity, go watch Billions. It's fascinating. I learned so many things that are nuts. I love it. Great. And Asia Kate Dillon is the shit on that show. They deserve 8,001 nominations for everything. I love them. They're but at the end of the day, it's just like, no, we can just sell these leads. I was like, no, you fucking cannot. Especially not with the amount of money you're about to try to throw around. I was like, this is a recipe for disaster, and I'm here for it. Because this, these two are fun. <laughs> Those two have so much fun together on screen. They do. Yeah. It's almost like the writers just know how to write their chemistry. And then those actors can just make it sing. I mean, I don't care how fucking cheesy these words are. They both are having fun with it. Yes, that That, is true. That never happens with Archie and Veronica scenes. Never. Not in these five seasons. Not once. Well, that's not true. They had a very nice romantic kiss under a tree. That was it. That was the first time. (laughs) That was the end of season three. That's the one time it happened. So now we go to school. And Cheryl is here to talk to Kevin. (sighs) And Kevin's like, how can I help you? No, 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 sweet Kevin. The question is, how can I help you? We saw each other in the woods. I was seeking inspiration for my next sermon. What about you? I thought you'd given up cruising after your last violent encounter in the steam room. Which, why did we have to bring that up? Why? Oh, trauma props. Trauma Trauma callback. They're trauma props. That's all they are. And he's just like, I did for a while. And, uh, you know, uh, Cheryl waxes poetry like, but what are you seeking? You know, were you looking for meaning and peace? And even Kevin's like, no, I'm pretty sure I was looking for a hookup. Thank you, Kevin. (laughs) Which I don't think she's wrong. Based on what Kevin has told us about going for cruising, he is looking for meaning and peace. But it's it's taken on something else. Yeah. So she starts talking to him about her ministry, to which his response is, uh, no offense, Cheryl, but that sounds like a classic Blossom scam. Uh-huh. Thank you, Kevin, for having that sight. And Cheryl says, you know, I can't speak for Mumsy, but for me, it's no scam. I'm understanding my higher purpose, and I felt the best since I have, well, since the night of that misbegotten key party. Again, why did we have to mention that? Like, why? And also, why is that the moment she felt the most at peace because she was doing diabolical shit. No, it should be about she felt good about what she was doing. And she yeah. should have said it should have been something like when I funded the school or when I did this, like kind of during because she went she just went into hiding because yeah. she was so afraid that everything she touched was going to turn to shit because that's usually what happened, which we loved. We loved that with Cheryl. Yeah, they, they can't help but write her as garbage. Yeah, they don't they don't know how to write her out of this hole in a way that is still fun and let her be menacing without being disgusting. Because that's just Cheryl's awful. Yep, they just threw her in the dumpster every time. But I I do like Cheryl feeling powerful. That is fun. So she just tells Kevin, what's the harm in one service? Just come and check it out. And uh, Kevin's like, okay, fine. (laughs) Kevin mostly does it to be like, get the fuck out of here. Leave me alone, woman. Just want to be sad. Yeah. 
So we go over to Pop's diner and Tabitha is just telling Betty, hey, you are lucky it was Glenn and not the highway killer. And, you know, you would have been on your own. And Betty's just like, yeah, but I didn't want to lose him. And she's like, okay, but I won't be spending much time on the highway now that Glenn's gunning for me. And so Tabitha has an idea. She's like, hey, let's bring the truckers here, which is honestly part of what she was trying to do anyways. She said previously in an episode that she put the gas pump out to attract more customers. Mm -hmm. You know, she does have a mind for business here. And so like, let's give them entertainment to which Betty's like, smart. We're not going after truckers, plural. We're going after one trucker in particular or killer who is targeting young women. And so then Betty says, have you ever seen Coyote Ugly? <laughs> which we get a great, can't fight the moonlight is one of my karaoke go-tos. Can't fight the moonlight is a fabulous fucking song. I really wish they would have sung that. <laughs> I understand why they didn't, but I, it better show up this season because I will be sad if it doesn't. It has been so long since I've seen Coyote Ugly. It's so stupid, but so fun. That was a real dumb movie. I remember that. Yeah, but hot chicks dancing. I'm here for that. So they're just really excited. Like, okay, we can have Riverdale's very own Coyote Ugly. We can wire pops and the white worm with closed circuit cameras. And we can start compiling a database. Great. Let's go talk to things. Cool. I love this. This makes total sense. And this allows them to do the thing that they used to do with the cabaret. Yeah. I don't have a problem with any of this. I don't. I still laugh at just how fucking illegal and horrible it is. But, you know, that's not going to stop them. That's never stopped them before. I mean, what they're doing inside the white worm, not illegal. What happens outside, very illegal. Searching trucks without anything and taking driver's license information to store away. Because, like... That's the other thing is like, you can check someone's ID, but to look at someone's ID and write the information down? Well, <laughs> that's, I don't know exactly what the legality is. It's definitely sketchy. <laughs> it's real sketchy. It's real sketchy. But yeah. Um, when does that ever stop, Betty? <laughs> no, but I'm okay with this. I mean, this is, we, need a, we need a lounge. We need an entertainment place. This is classic peach pick after dark shit. I am here for this. Yeah, I, I agree. It's. In the moment, it was a little weird, but as you explain it of like, you actually see their plan coming together mm -hmm. in an actual real way for once. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that is actually not terrible. This is not the dumbest idea y'all have had. Fair. No. So then we go back to Andrew's house and Archie and Eric are walking in the door and they're pissed because they waited six hours at the VA to find out that they hadn't filled out the right forms. And Eric's like, that's usually how it is, which... It's true. Uh, our VAs need more funding and uh, our veterans deserve better. I also believe in that, too. <laughs> We're going to get real political on this podcast. Yeah. The, v the VA is consistently one of the most popular things in our government and veterans who are able to get care through the VA swear by it. Mm -hmm. But there are lots of veterans who have real trouble being able to get through the red tape. And yeah. this episode really talks about that. I appreciate that it highlights that issue because it it can be really difficult. <laughs> it's desperately something that needs to be expanded. Yeah. Just does. And the red tape needs to go away. It's dumb. Uh, so they come in and then they see Frank. He's like, well, fellas, meet your new roommate. Riverdale. Bork, bork. This is one of the first times we got a Riverdale on a sweet note as opposed to a dun, 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 twisty mustache moment. The barks over the Riverdale logo were so good. Yes, we did get some barks over the Riverdale logo, which was really cute and sweet. Um, so I appreciate that. So this is a little unusual that we got we got the Riverdale there. So yeah, we come right back and the the 
boys are excited about the dog. Eric is right there with like, he is like, he's got a puppy. He's so excited. He he needed a puppy real bad. He, need, he needed a dog. There's so many people that I've been like, you need a dog. You need a dog. Yeah. And so they're asking questions. And Frank is like, yeah, I've known a lot of veterans who've adopted pets as part of their transition back to civilian life. Helps with their anxiety, adds structure to their day, gives them a loyal companion. And they're just like, oh, where, where do they get them? Uh, I got him on a shelter downtown. According to the vet, they found him near a dumpster. And Eric goes, do they know what happened to his ears? To which this is where this was a mistake. This made me mad. This was a bad. This was a bad by Frank. This was bad. He said, no, they weren't sure. He said, hey, Arch, didn't you have a dog last time I was here? No. Which is true because we haven't seen Vegas since the before times. Oh, no. And then we find out. <sighs> yeah, when I enlisted, mom took him to Chicago with her. He died while I was overseas. No. Like Frank's like, oh, damn, I'm so sorry. He's like, he was my best friend. He's like, well, maybe this pooch will be good for both of you. Which is like, oh, poor Vegas. Makes total sense. Vegas was not young. No. And then it's been seven years. So it makes sense. And it's just sad. Bye, Vegas. We loved you, Vegas. Keep bread company, please. No, no. Why would you do that? Because I had to. I had Rude. to. I had to. <laughs> and now we go to church. And Kevin's really uncomfortable. As he should be. And he leaves. He just, he lasts, as far as we can tell, three minutes. And then he's like, nope, I'm done. I'm gone. Bye. The second Penelope gets to the Christian. Christian love. Part of her him. And you're like, ugh. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. So then we go back to Veronica's shop and she's on the phone and she's talking to an investor and she's like, okay, you know, I'd be happy to talk to you. You can tell it's not going well. So then she goes, of course, Mr. Mamet, thank you for your time. And to this next call. And she's like, well, you win some, you lose some. And Reggie's there being like, sorry. So when she gets off the phone, Reggie is trying to be consoling and says, you win some, you lose some. And Veronica is exasperated. She's like, yeah, but I'm I'm losing more than I'm winning, Reggie. Back in New York when I was the she-wolf of Wall Street. I don't want to fucking hear that phrase ever the goddamn hell again. You know, I used to have 20 people working under me, but now I'm one broker with no firm to back her up. And Reggie's like, that's over our chances. Let me work for you. And Veronica's like, no, you can't start training. You have to understand finance, politics, diplomacy. And Reggie just cuts through her bullshit. Really? I've been listening to you all day, and it sounds like you need to know how to close a sale. Like I do in my old man's car lot. I can close, Ronnie. I'm a closer. And this is what made me giggle for a solid five minutes. Um, this is a hilarious to me Mamet joke. David Mamet wrote a play that got turned into a movie called Glengarry Glen Ross. And in the movie, there's a speech given by Alec Baldwin that is all about closing. And the phrase, I'm a closer, gets said a lot. Coffee's for closers. Mm-hmm. They, they say closers all the fucking time. So this is hilarious to me. Oh, Glengarry Glen Ross. The leads, closers. I'm a closer. Yep. So much stuff. It's hilarious. This is one of those Riverdale jokes with the, the casual mention and drops of names that if you know, it's so fun. And so Veronica's like, okay, fine. If you can close, it's two o'clock now. If you can close by the time the market closes, you're in. And Reggie's like, easy, by six o'clock? And she's like, no, no. The New York Stock Exchange closes at four, Reggie. Clock's ticking. <laughs> it's so cute. It's so cute. Little, little dumb, dumb boy. Oh, 
it's like, okay, I got to know what my parameters are. That's fine. So we go down to the white worm and Betty and Tabitha are telling things. What's up? This is what we want to do. They've even got a banner ready to go with the wild foxes. Okay, cool. And he's just like, who are the hot ladies? And Tabitha like us. But he's like, we are. And you can just like see things like nodding his head. All right. <laughs> okay. His comment about, have you seen Coyote Ugly? The Tyra Banks, Banks movie? movie? Which <laughs> she is in that movie, but she's in it for very little. I love that Betty starts to explain that. And Tabitha's like, no, no, no. That's the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. So cute. Love it. Love a little smirk on Fang's face. This is cute. Fangs is so hot in this episode. Mm-hmm. He's 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 always hot. He's never not hot. There's one scene in particular though where his hair was swooping in just the right way to be like, wow, Drew. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's a sexy beast. I love it. So we go back to Andrew's house and Archie's on the phone and he's trying to get a referral for Eric Jackson. And it's really weird to him. It's like this is Sergeant Archie Andrews. It's just so weird for him to say that, but I love it. It's great. <laughs> so then Frank comes in. He's like, how are you doing? Thinking about Vegas? And Archie says, no, I'm thinking about bingo. Who's bingo? And th- this hesitation is where you can tell he's going he's gonna to lie again. He's uh-huh. going to lie. He's so bad at lying. Well, this is a TV show. We're supposed to get the hint. Yeah. Uh, he was a stray dog that our platoon adopted. And Frank's like, what happened? Like, oh, he didn't make it. We don't like talking about him much. It's probably why Eric was so happy about getting the new dog to make up for bingo. And Frank's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like Frank just takes it because he has no reason to believe why that Archie would lie to him. Yeah. It's okay, cool. Oh, I would go back to Veronica's shop and Reggie's closing. He's like, just like we saw him at the car lot, which is a great progression of tying that in. Okay. This is what Reggie's good at. Yeah. And he's killing it. And Veronica is just like, very good, Reginald. You're a natural salesman. Welcome officially to Pearls and Posh. So now we have the name of her store. We've never heard it before, which is the name of her investment company. Yeah, it's just gross because Pearls. Ew. No, thank you. (laughs) So now we go over to our new dog house. Hey. Hey. This is the teacher's lounge. We don't go to the student's lounge anymore. No. (laughs) And Cheryl comes in, see Kevin. And Kevin's like, look, I don't mean to offend you, but your service wasn't exactly my speed. (laughs) That is a very respectful way to say that. Like, it's not for me. It's cool. And so Cheryl's just like, you know, to each their own. But there is a hole inside of you that you're trying to fill, Kevin. And I think I know what it's about. Fangs, how you left things with him. She's not wrong. She's not wrong here. And Kevin says, yeah, breaking up with him, especially the way I did it, is the worst thing I've done. Maybe ever. And Cheryl's like, yeah, regret it haunts you. I know this because it haunts me. Go to your man. Try to make amends. Say you're sorry. Ask for clemency. Regardless of how he responds, you'll feel better having tried. This is really good advice. This is okay advice. It's couched in some bullshit, some Cheryl bullshit. Well, it's saying words like clemency make it feel draped in that religious language. Yeah. That's where it feels icky. But we have to remember that Cheryl has given good advice before. Yes. She she gave Betty really good advice when it came to Jughead. So, like, it's not horrible. Like, all right, this is good advice. It's just, yeah, it's drowning and gross. So we go to Fang's apartment. And Kevin knocking on the door. And Fang's like, oh, hey. Um, And, like, you can tell he's 
in the middle of something. Yeah. And Kim's like, okay, look, I know we haven't talked for a while, but I have some stuff to get off my chest. I hope you'll hear me out. And Fangs is like, yeah, it's not, good, it's, not, it's not a good time. And Kevin just barges in and we see Moose Mason. <laughs> we have not seen him since he left Stonewall Pratt. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mountain Man Moose Mason. He's adorable. I love Marmaduke. More baguette? <laughs> More baguette to the rescue. Oh my God, Kevin. Oh my God, Moose. It's been a while. And Fang's like, hey, Kevin, this is this is, this is what it looks like. You're seeing Moose Mason. We just ran into each other. And Moose is like, hey, why don't you sit down? And Fang's like, let's have a glass of wine. We can talk about this. And Kevin's like, yeah, no, thank you. I've got to wake up from this nightmare in which my ex-boyfriends are sleeping together. And he leaves. <laughs> and Fang's like, Kevin, Kevin. Oh, my God. This was funny. I was not expecting to see yes. Moose Mason. But I hate this. And I hate it because Moose deserves better. I don't like the intermingle, this new triangle type thing, which it's only a triangle if they're all interested, but I don't, I don't like the, this complication. I would have loved, so I'm just going to, I'm like, even though we'll have the scene later, I would have liked this situation to really have been Moose and Fang saw each other and they just were hanging out. They are just friends. Yeah. Of course they've become friends over the years because he was still friends with Kevin. Like, that's just what's happened. And Kevin assumes something. And then in trying to talk to Fangs about it later, Fangs says, but I am dating somebody. It's just not Moose. It's like, don't want that for Moose because I would love Moose to come back and be Kevin's friend. Because one of the things we loved about Kevin and Fangs in the beginning was that it was like, yes, we have two guys who are gay and they're just friends. Yep. And I loved it. And then they made them romantic, which I also loved because they were really cute together. And now it's really fucked up. And that's okay, too. I want they can be friends as well. But I I need us to have some platonic gay males in this show where they are fully allowed to have relationships and they are fully allowed to be friends with people. And it just doesn't cross that line. Yeah. Like once they decide we're just going to be friends, that's it. There's none of this messiness because they can't they're capable of doing that with the heterosexual couples but they haven't been able to do that here and it's just like no there is a level where this can be fun and interesting but Riverdale has not treated its queer characters in a way where that's respectable and understandable yeah because there is like there is a level of if you have earned it and you have created wholesome good queer characters to have them running in the same circles and start dating each other's exes and then it get really weird that's a thing sure this show has not earned the right to play that storyline. <laughs> no, they have not done the work. And again, they're just being used as props and I hate it. And I know that Moose in the show is bisexual and that's fine too. And that's great. I love it. I love all of the, the varying degrees. I'm here for it. But don't use Marmaduke in this way because he should be the one to help to, to tell Kevin to pull himself out of this hole that he's yeah. made for himself. Because that's who Moose has always been for Kevin. That would have been a better use of him. Yep. So then we cut back to a flashback for Archie. And this time, Archie is doing a tourniquet around Eric's leg. And this is where we hear a dog. But it's not quite a dog. Like, we do hear a dog barking. But then later, it starts to morph into what we're going to discover. Yeah. So, like, I actually thought this was a great audio clue. For if you didn't realize that Archie was lying, like I thought this was really well done 
I never caught it. It always sounded like a dog. Well, that's that's what you first hear. But when you're thinking about it and I was like, oh, no, they they did something with the sound there. It's actually pretty good. And so when they're when they're hearing that crying, that yelling, Jackson's like, is that is that bingo? And Archie's like, yeah, I'm going to go bring him back. Where is he? He's in the middle of no man's land. That's no good. You can't go out there. You'll get shot. And Archie's like, I can make it if I'm fast. And Eric's like, no, you can't go out there. You're my only way out here. And Archie's just like, I can get bingo and I can bring it back and I can take you both. And Jackson will not let him leave. Grabs him. Grabs him and is like holding on to him. He's like, no. So Archie is woken up to Eric waking him up being like, Sarge, you got to help the dog. He's gone. And Archie's like, what? He's missing. We got to go find him. The, the grab thing was really good. That pulling him out of the dream. It was a really good cut. Yeah. So, you know, they're coming downstairs and like, how do you get out? And then Frank is like, hey, guys, calm down. I found him. I'm like, where? Come here. Check it out. And they open the door to like a utility closet. And the dog is just there. And it's like, you know, how do you get in there? I don't know. I guess the door was ajar. Who says ajar? Frank, apparently. Apparently. He's like, he was looking for a place to hide. The dog's just whimpering. It's so sad. Yeah, no, he's he's a scared, he's a scared boy. He's a scared dog. The only thing that bothers me too about this is the no man's land thing, where I'm like, that's that's not a thing that has happened since 1917. Like we don't, that's not a common warfare thing. Yeah, without the active noise of bullets happening while they're having that conversation, it doesn't. It feels weird. It's just like, this is not how war happens anymore. Stop it. (laughs) It's just, again, I don't love it, but I'm okay with it because your average Riverdale viewer would most likely understand what that term means. You go out there, you're fucked. Yeah. Get out of this trench, you're fucked. That's what that state using that phrase is for. So (sighs) like, do I love it? No. But again, I was like, I'd be fine with it if they had leaned in heavier into the 40s. So then we go back to Pearls and Posh. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Preston, it's Reginald Mantle from Pearls and Posh. Boy, do I have an exciting proposition for you. I love it when Reggie calls himself Reginald. (laughs) I don't know that that's ever happened before. I think it's only been Veronica that calls him that. And I love it. I love it that Reggie called himself Reginald. It's precious. He knows when he needs to turn it on. Like Archie has never called himself Archibald. No. That's his actual name. Yeah, he never will. (laughs) No, he's just Archie. Especially now that he's a military man, he will never be Archibald again. <laughs> Those names get shortened and that's it. My brother is a Robert. I called him Robert his entire life. If I called him Rob, he would yell at me and be like, no, that's not my name. <laughs> Two minutes in the military. I'm Rob. Hello, I'm Rob. It's weird. His wife calls him Rob. And I was like, this is so weird to me. <laughs> it's just, it, it's just fine. It's fine. It's just funny to me. But Reggie and Veronica are going to have a montage. Yeah, they're working out of her apartment now because it's much bigger. And like we see Reggie on on a fancy chair. Veronica's at her desk and like they're just calling people left and right. They're doing great. So they they take a pause and they're just like, oh, man, I closed my fifth client. I closed my third. We're killing it, Ronnie. And Ronnie's like, "Okay, yeah, we're capable, but we need more leads. I am all tapped out. And Reggie's like, okay, what's my commission for all these fish I'm catching? Industry standard, 5%. He's like, okay, if I come in with fresh leads, will you bump me up to 15%? Reggie's a hustler. (laughs) He's going to do it. 
And she's like, if you can really get me new business, 10%. And we're just like, okay, there's one problem. These are from Sodale. And this is where we actually get new information about what's been going on with Hiram. Uh huh. And we find out that Sodale is just a muddy field with no construction. And it's something that's never going to be built. He's Hiram is just using the money to fund his search for palladium. And Veronica's like, okay, well, what about his investors? Great. Thank you. Because I'm curious about that as the audience. It's like, oh, he's always got an excuse for why the houses aren't finished. So, and Veronica finishes that. Let's go after my father's investors and get them to pull out of Sodale and have them invest in us. Reggie, you're a genius. Like, yeah, Reggie's like, that's a great place to start. You're fucked, Reggie. Oh, man. Wow. This is also where I go, oh, God, they're going to get in so much trouble now. They're going to get so fucked. I'm here for it because it'll be fun. Like, this is a fun way to mess with Hiram. This is fun. I like this. But Hiram's going to ruin them. <laughs> oh, most definitely. <laughs> then we cut over to Andrew's house now. Archie's come home. He's come back from a run. And Frank and Eric are arguing. And the dog is barking really loud. He's like, hey, what's going on? It's like, Eric took dog for a walk. And they ran into a bigger dog. And our guy freaked out. And Eric tried to calm him down. He bit my arm. Yeah, Eric's pissed. <laughs> Eric's pissed. And Archie's like, no, that's it. We're done. We got to get rid of this dog. We're calling the shelter. And Frank's like, I need to explain something to you. Calm down. And so we cut directly to Archie and Frank in the kitchen. And Archie's like, okay, how is this rescue biting Eric your fault? And Frank's like, the dog I brought home isn't an ordinary rescue. The woman at the shelter told me based on his injuries, he was likely part of a dog fighting ring. Hey, Frank. I was like, hey, Frank. You should have said something that like, oh, this dog's been through some trauma of his own. Like he didn't have to reveal it was dog fighting because the re because this while well, I'm annoyed at it, Archie's reaction to it is why he didn't t- say anything. Yeah. Yeah. I-, I do get it. But it's just like Frank says nothing about the fact that this dog has been through some really bad violence and shit yeah. and may react aggressively. Yeah, so Archie's like, what? That's happening here in Riverdale? And Frank's, yeah, apparently started popping up a few years ago after everyone began moving away, leaving their pets behind. And the shelter rescues as many as they can, but some dogs wind up with the wrong people. And Archie just loses it. And so we cut back to Veronica's. They're just making tons of calls. They're going back and forth. It's great. And they get this one guy on the phone and they start start asking him, like, how's that investment doing for you? (laughs) Well, you know, I have it on good authority. Those houses will never be built. And the guy's like, it's a scam. Mm." And so he's like, hey, hold on. He gets Hiram on the phone. So Hiram gets on the phone. It's like, hey, what's going on? This is great. And he calls him out. And Hiram is like, oh, well, I can give you investment back for a bunch of money in three years. And so the guy gets back on the phone. Veronica's like, hey, he's offering this. And so she says, I can throw in a Glamourget egg and a little bit more money on your return of investment. And the guy's like, okay, great. And so he goes back to uh, Hiram and says, I'm pulling out of Sodale. And if I don't get all my money back, I'll be calling the state attorney's office. Best of luck with your venture. And so Hiram hangs up and takes the phone and throws it across the room. This is not good. This is really not good for Hiram. Also, this is insider trading. Is it? Yes. <laughs> is this technically? This is the textbook definition of insider trading. <laughs> is that on Ronnie? Or it's a, it's, it would be on Reggie because Reggie has the first hand. Reggie's the one who shared the information. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. Hiram's the one who's doing bad shit. So 
but at that point you have to report it to authorities you cannot then go try and buck out other investors like everybody involved here hmm. would be at the very least investigated by the sec sure that's fair also because this is some shady fucking shit yeah it that is it's bad because they're then saying hey pull your money out of this and give, and it, give to it to us. us instead yeah that's that's where it's bad if they just called and said hey you need to uh, reinvest your you need to get your money out that's a different thing but then it's like take your money out and then spend it with us is yeah, that's bad. yeah, that's exactly. Bad. To enrich yourself with it, I need to, to connect. I need to connect those dots a little bit. That's fine. I'm fine <laughs> with that. Insider trading, not worried about it. <sighs> you cannot enrich yourself with information about a private investment you were involved in the development of. If Ronnie's in jail at the end of the season, I'm here for it. Like, come on, let's go. She will barely escape jail by cooperating with the authorities against her father. That's how that's going to work out. And so at the end of the day, they're toasting to Ronnie, the she-wolf of Wall Street. And Reggie's just like, so what happens now? We take the knife off to help Betty and Tabitha. And then we do it, We keep doing exactly what we're doing. And Reggie's like, here for it. And he's like doing that head shake. He's like, yeah, I'm, I like this. And they're totally going to bone. They're totally going to bone. He does a little side head shake and takes a sip of champagne. Charles Belton. You're going to be a fucking star. I love him. I love him so much. I mean, I don't want to give bad boys any more money, but he was awesome in bad boys. He was one of the very few good things about that movie. He was he was precious. And I'm looking forward to more of him. Now we go to the Blossom Church. Uh. And Cheryl, Cheryl and Kevin are just having a talk and they're sitting in the pews. She's like, Fangus is with Moose, you say? Yeah, I cost them having wine and cheese. Ugh, that's diabolical. <laughs> no, it's not. They might have just been friends having wine and cheese. I'm fine with this. They're commiserating because this feels awful. And like, Kevin, you did nothing wrong and you brought your sacred truth to his profane threshold. That alone is a victory. Barf. And Kevin's like, no, and it gets worse. Then why do I feel so so forsaken? Ugh. Barf. Like, here's the thing. Kevin saying that makes total sense. Like, I did the right thing. Thing and nothing good happened. This is where we get into like prosperity gospel bullshit. It pisses me off. And then this is how people get taken advantage of in the church. This this is where I'm like, okay, now we're getting on. We're going to indoctrinate you and put you in a new cult. It's just such a ridiculous framing that isn't necessary. There is a way that this could have been framed in an interesting and positive way for Cheryl, where Cheryl turns this church into actually trying to do good things. Yeah. In the face of her mom trying to run a scam. Sure. But they didn't frame it right. No. And they just went right to religious bullshit, which I'm not okay with either. Because what she does here is just a classic church grift. It's a Jesus juke. It's the Jesus juke. And it's just like, you know, in godless times like these, instead of focusing on yourself, perhaps the only way to know true comfort is by comforting others. And she's just like, tonight I'm helping Betty and Tabitha. It's like, work with us, Kevin, and, and perhaps in service, you will find peace and meaning. It is 100% the Jesus joke that the church does to people all the time. You're feeling so bad about yourself. You need to think about other people. You know what? Fuck y'all. Sometimes my life sucks and I need to think about that. <laughs> like, that's just the way it is. I don't think there's anything wrong in trying to say in times where you are continuing to struggle with something like that, finding a way to serve your community is a way to pull you out of that funk absolutely i am 100 like hey you're going through some shit if you've got any bandwidth be like hey if you can help somebody else maybe they won't feel the way you're feeling that will help you take your mind off of something yeah look this these last months 
have been shitty. So anything that can bring light to your life, cool. And there's a way to couch that with that religious aspect. Sure. That it becomes an interesting thing because like there is this this other side of theology that talks about service. Sure. Specifically and community. And that's where I wish they had gone. Mm -hmm. Because if they had framed it that way, then it makes a real fun dynamic between Cheryl and her mom. And I think that's kind of where they were headed, but they just draped it with all this bullshit. <laughs> Absolutely. Like if she just said, hey, I'm going to go help out our friends because they're doing this really cool thing. How about you come help us? Because it's a bigger thing. Like, let's focus on that. Like you, why don't you come be a part of that? Okay, cool. And then it can be, Kevin, didn't that make you feel good to help people? Let's do that all the time. Come be the music minister. Why did they have to write Cheryl so extra about this? Thing? Because subtlety and Cheryl don't can't coexist. Yeah. But this doesn't even need to be subtle. It just needs to be real. Oh, agreed. And that's the thing. But it's like, again, it's so bad. Yeah. It's it's all the, the bullshit that they sprinkled on top. Mm-hmm. So now we go to the white worm and Betty is laying out the plan for everybody. Alice is there. Hi, Alice. We haven't seen you in a minute. Hello. Hello. She's going to be tending bar, keeping an eye on things, like I always do. Just <laughs> great. And the girls are going to be dancing, and Reggie and Kevin, they're going to be outside. They're going to be jimming the locks on the trucks. And so then they'll call if they find anything suspicious, and Betty will go. Okay, cool. Kevin asks where Fangs is, and he's like, oh, um, he can't be here tonight. He's helping Archie with some dog thing. Okay, cool. So Kevin's disappointed because he thought he was going to get to be hanging out there with Fangs. Makes total sense. I'm fine with it. So... That's what they're going to do. Then we see Fangs talking with Eric and Archie. And he's like, yeah, uh, asked around. It's true. There is a dog fighting ring in town once a month. So it goes as far north as Montreal. Meet at this address and bet on dogs. And he's like, okay, hey, when's, when's the next one? Oh, it's not for a couple weeks. And Fangs is like, it's enough time to loop in Sheriff Keller. To which Archie, yeah, because if we aren't looping in Sheriff Keller or my uncle, I don't want the scumbag arrested. I want him hurt. And like Eric's like, our priority is the dogs. He's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean we can't settle up with this guy too. Archie is going full on revenge mode. He's losing it. Yeah. So we go back to the white worm and the girls are singing nothing but a good time, which is a great song. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a great choice. I don't really have a problem with this. Like I said, they did this with uh, Le Bon Nuit all the time. They had their little cabaret thing going on. So this is that way to bring that back. The only way this could have been more cliche is to do pour some sugar on me. That would have, I think that's probably like, either couldn't get the rights to that or it just would have been a bridge too far. <laughs> it would have been fun though. But the like, because then later they can say, I was looking for a good time. That, I mean, that can mean a lot of different things. I'm okay with all that. So I do great. Aaron Westbrook sounds amazing. Camilla cannot sing this way. And the line they gave her. Yeah, they had her do the extra vocalization and it's not very good. Well, it's it, it's also the lyric of like, it's the working class. We've been working hard lyric. And I was like, you gave that to the richest person in town? What the hell? Yeah, it's just, yeah, it was a bit much. Camilla has a beautiful voice, but not for this type of song. No. When she did the cabaret song, oh my God, it was the best she's ever sounded. So, oh well. So while that's going on, the boys are opening trucks. They open one and they see blood on the wall. So they get Betty. Betty comes out. 
They all have FBI jackets on because, of course, they do. They confront this trucker. And it turns out, yeah, I'd had a huge meat delivery. That's cow's blood. And <laughs> the guy is indignant. He's like, what the fuck? And Betty's like, I assume you have paperwork. And he's like, yeah, I do. In my cab. In my cab, of course. Fuck all of you. I mean, it's just, it's great. So then we cut to a junkyard with a lot of dogs in cages. And Archie's just like, y'all get the dogs. He bursts in that guy's trailer and goes like, hey, who are you? He's like, oh, are those your dogs? Yeah, I trained them. Do you want to buy one? It's like, you and me are going to have ourselves a real dog fight. And so then Archie punches him out of his trailer. And then the guy's laying on the ground and Archie puts on a set of brass knuckles. Holy fuck. Which (laughs) that's when I was like, oh, fuck. Because I was like, okay, Archie's going to fuck this guy up. He didn't take his baseball bat. I was like, okay, he's going to fuck a guy up. Oh, he put on brass knuckles. He didn't come to play. He was fully prepared to kill him with his fists. He would have if the other guys didn't stop him. Yeah. And so this guy he beats this guy to a bloody pulp. And he's like, you can call Sheriff Keller now if you want or the garbage man. I don't really care which. But if you touch one more dog, I'm going to dig your grave myself. And then he stomps on him. God damn it. <laughs> oh, oh, you're not okay. You are really not okay. Ooh. Yeah. Yikes, Aroni. And if you look at this season so far, Archie's been getting out of his aggression in reasonable ways. They had to go do the raid on his house, gets out all that ag- physical aggression. Uh, he's training to be a firefighter, getting out that physical aggression. They had to Batman into <laughs> the fire station last week. He's getting out his, aggr- his, his aggression that way. And now we see what happens when he's when that's not happening. But also it's escalating. Well, and he has a target. He has that savior complex. Yeah. I mean, he does. It's always been his issue. And that's true to Archie's archetype. I love that. It's totally fine. So this is a natural progression of what has happened to him that he needs to deal with. Yes. In a much healthier way. Yeah. I mean, physical activity is good. <laughs> but the punching people who have not asked to be punched... Um, no, no, no. Um, no, I understand the sentiment of beating a dog fight dude to the pulp. Yep. We cut back to the white worm and Betty and Tabitha are going through their results. It's like, okay, not a complete success, but 57 truckers totals with their names, driver's license numbers. So Betty's going to put them, uh, do some background checks tonight and tomorrow. And she's like, you know, and then we'll do some more dancing. How does she have access to the databases? Um, you can just pay to get access. To, like, you just have to pay for them. Yeah. Like, you want a background check on anybody if you pay money. That's true. It's just, to me, the assumption is she's going to go do her FBI magic and work on the FBI database. And it's just like... I mean, she doesn't have the FBI database at her disposal, but she can run a background check. Yeah, that's true. She has like, contacts. And then, you know, people who work as PIs. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the route Betty goes. <laughs> PI Betty. Betty Drew. I, wanna, I just want to know the mechanics of all this. It just, to me. Go watch a, a, a detective show, David. That's how it works. The end. No, but like, I want to see the series where they explain all the mechanics of how Riverdale did this and be like, oh, this is complete mess. Oh, I want cops to talk about this. <laughs> I want actual cops to be like, what the fuck is this bullshit? Like, we, we have, there's one doctor who reacts to medical shows, and it's so funny. It's like, oh, yeah, no, that's true. Like, that actually happens in the hospital. Like, oh, this is what would happen, but it would happen a lot slower, or like, that person wouldn't do it. Usually, it would be this person in the hospitals that I worked at. Like, and I love that. It's great. 
I need a cop to talk about this. Just just the, the real life Riverdale, the minutia episode, would be such a fucking comedy of errors. It would it would it would just be absurd. That's why it would be so much fun to watch. It would be. I agree with that. Whatever. So Betty heads out and a truck shows up. It's like, hey, is this where the wild foxes perform? And Betty's like, oh, last cow was an hour ago. And he goes, oh, man, I was looking for a good time tonight. It's a lovely call to the song they sing. And she's like, well, what are you doing now? And Betty's just like, uh, I, I was going to go home, but I could be down for a little fun if you are. And he goes, yeah, hop in. So as soon as she gets in the truck, she texts Tabitha, hey, um, I'm in this truck, yellow truck, follow it. Okay. So Tabitha like runs out while the truck is gone. And this was the cardinal rule that Betty set up. Nobody leaves with a trucker alone. No one leaves alone. And of course, she leaves the fuck alone. Betty never follows advice. But the thing that makes Betty go is she looks at the door handle and it to her, it looks like there's blood on there. There's something smeared on there for sure. There's something smeared on there. When I first saw it, I took it as like a patina has rubbed off. Nah, that looks like blood. But it does look like blood. So, okay, cool. So Tabitha gets in her car and starts following them. So we're driving in the truck. And then the creeper decides that he needs to pull over to take a leak. But he's like, okay, fine. So he gets out and he takes out a knife. And as he's coming around to Betty's side, she's clearly seen this. And so she kicks out the door to make him fall over. And when she does this, Betty walks away to call Tabitha. And Tabitha confirms, like, yeah, I'm on my way. I'll be there in just a minute. And when Betty turns around, he's gone. Which, come on, Betty. Serial killer rules. Slasher films. Come on. You go beat the shit out of that guy when he's down so that he can't do anything else to you. Like, come on. This guy is also textbook creepy talking about he's going to see his dying grandmother because it's such a beautiful thing to watch the life drain from their eyes. Which is like, wow, a little on the nose, Riverdale. That's a bit, that's a bit much. So <laughs> she starts looking for him. She's looking under the, the trailer. And then all of a sudden we hear it. A chainsaw. I'm like, here we go. All right, cool. I like this escalation. This this I was not expecting. Uh, it's a very Riverdale thing to do. Sure. And so Betty gets in the cab and she locks the door. She's searching. She finds a big old wrench. And then he gets on top of the cab and starts chainsawing through it. She's able to get out the other side, but she hurts herself. So she's twisted her ankle or something. So she's trying to run away. And so he's coming. He's coming. And she turns around and she throws the wrench at his head. (laughs) Just as Tabitha. And he he falls to the ground. This is a big honking wrench. This is like, you know. It's cartoon level ridiculous how this ends. It is. And so Tabitha (laughs) arrives right as that happens. So that's a thing that happened. (laughs) That's a thing that happened. So we cut back to the Andrews house. Eric and Archie pop in and Frank is looking really pissed. And Archie just looks at him and says, I'm going to go take a shower. And he leaves. And so Frank talks to Eric and he's like, wild guess. You guys went after the dogfighter. Yeah, Sarge went berserk on him. I wish he wouldn't have done that. And Frank's like, I can't say I'm surprised, though, not after what happened with Bingo. To which Eric's like, what are you talking about? Frank's like, Bingo, your platoon dog. Archie told me about how you two were pinned down in a foxhole and you just had to sit there and listen to Bingo howling and dying. And Eric says, Bingo wasn't a dog. He was a grunt like me. To which Frank just kind of sinks and goes, <sighs> Oh, shit. (laughs) So 
this makes total sense and I'm fine with it, except for the name Bingo. So I agree, except that I'm wondering if Bingo is a name Archie made up to try to hide the fact that this was a dog and that Eric has just kind of gone along with it to talk about it, that his name was never Bingo. That's too many layers of bullshit. Okay, that's fair. I'm fine with us calling this soldier Bingo. Yes. But it would have taken two seconds for Eric to like, Bingo wasn't a dog. Bingo was Corporal Jeff Bingerton, Bingman, whatever. But we always called him Bingo. Then it makes total sense because you think Bingo and you're like, you know, E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> like, it's just, you just, you sing the song. That's, that's what you think. And so I'm fine with that. But you need to give us that explanation because then it connects those dots. It's very common for socials to have to have nicknames like this. It, it would play so well and it would take that silliness because the name reads a silly. It reads a silly. And dear God, it's just occurring to me now the line, there was a farmer who had a dog. And bingo was his name though. Oh, dear God. Ex- and see- you know what? Somebody in the writer's room went, I've got it. <laughs> and that was their rationale for this name. Bingo. I bet you. I fucking bet you. Yeah. So, or like, I don't know. Like, there just, there needed to be a justification for why this guy's name was Bingo. It's weird. It's definitely a little weird. It's very weird. And it takes me out of it, especially with the whole, we're going to name a dog after it. That's my only issue with that. The devil's in the details with this whole storyline of like, it's all on, in its substance, very good. But there's the little details that they didn't pay attention to this Mm -hmm. to really, really make it hit home. Yeah. And so we cut back to we're on the side of the road with Betty and Tabitha. And Tabitha's like, okay, what do we do now? And Betty's like, oh, we're going to find a place to park this truck. And then I have a place we're going to take him. And Tabitha's like, no, no, we need to hand him over to the FBI. Oh, no, I got to get some info out of this guy. And once I get that information, then we'll hand him over. Because Betty, of course, has to interrogate this guy. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. She's going to try to kill him because <laughs> she's Betty. She's going to end up almost killing him. But, but, you know, Tabitha will be there to stop her. Because Tabitha's like, this is a horrible plan. <laughs> or she's going to get, she's going to have to kill him, but it's going to be in self-defense. Well, sure. Fine. Whatever. I don't care. Uh, it's stupid. That's, that's, that's the truth. <laughs> it is very stupid. dumb. But it's not off. It's, it's pretty on par for Betty. So we go back to the Andrew's house. And now it's like the next morning or something. And Frank just sits down and talk to Archie. Eric told me the truth about bingo. You want to talk about it? And Archie's like, there's nothing to talk about. And Frank's just like, Archie, I've been to war and I know the impossible decisions you have to make. And to hear Eric tell it, if you had gone back for bingo, you and Eric probably wouldn't have made it either. And so you made your choice and you can't save everyone. And Archie's like, it feels wrong. Everything's wrong. Trying to save the town. It's corrupt. It's broken. It's awful. Despicable people. Uh, You know, the lowest of the lows. It's like, it makes me feel like there's nothing worth saving here. Which is totally like on par with Archie. Like, look at all the shit Archie's been through through this whole fucking show. This is fabulous. Yes. This is a perfect arc for him to be like, uh, like, like now, now people like I've I've watched people die. I feel like I'm the cause of people dying. And now in my own goddamn backyard, people are having dogs die. Like this is fucking ridiculous. Like. I love like I I love that progression for Archie because it makes so much sense. Yep. He's the only character I feel they've like truly gotten right in this time jump. Yeah. Like I am here for every bit of this story. Mm-hmm. 
Frank says, don't lose sight of what you're doing, Archie. It's great. You know, he's filling that Fred role. Like Frank's good. I'm, I was iffy on Frank. I I'm cool with Frank now. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't rise to hot dads of Riverdale level, but I'll accept him as a wise adult. <laughs> uh, we go to the school and Cheryl comes in and says the most homophobic bullshit. She asked him if he's been fired for cruising. Yep. Just like, fuck you, Cheryl. Fuck you. You should have been fired just showing up. Being patronizing as fuck. Yeah. Uh, she's just awful. And because, because you know, Kevin had been called to the principal's office. And turns out, he's been made teacher of the year. And he's so unenthusiastic. He's not happy. He's like, I love being a teacher, but it was never supposed to be my life's calling. This board is a painful reminder of all that I haven't accomplished. I was supposed to be in New York, performing, directing. And instead, I'm Riverdale, still cruising the woods. Unlucky in love, being named teacher of the year at a dying high school. This can't be my life. It just can't be. Which is fair. I'm mm-hmm. fine with Kevin having this reaction to this because it makes because he's really unhappy with his life. But Kevin made all of these choices. That's where I have a problem, is that there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of acknowledgement on Kevin's part that this is the result of his choices. Yeah. He's not pursuing those things in New York. He is the one pursuing cruising. He is the one who's teaching. If you don't want to do these things, you need to change your life. Like, I understand he was trying to set up this whole life with Tony and Fangs to kind of deflect from the things he didn't like. But okay, now that's not on the table. So what are you doing to fix it? Everyone needs therapy. Kevin desperately needs a lot of therapy and like 10 more hugs from his dad. But this is not okay. From my end, it's just pointing out how glaringly bad the writing is. And they could have easily fixed it. All of these are the result of his decisions. It's like, yeah, and they were all stupid, shitty decisions decided by writers in a room that never had to do any of this. Like, all of the stuff that they decided to make him do never fit what his character really meant to the show. Here's the thing. I don't think at any point they had any vision for Kevin. No. Except to be the gay best friend. Which, here's the thing. Have him be the, if you want him to just be the gay best friend, have him do that. But stop putting him through all of this trauma and using him as a prop to be like, hey, we, we, we have a gay man here. We're cool. Like, no. Because that's, that's the spot he's filled since the beginning. And I don't like it. Because the moments that they give to Kevin that are so true and honest and pure are amazing. Every time he has a conversation with his dad, I fucking cry because it is beautiful and it's amazing and it feels earned. But we have to go through so much bullshit to get to them that it's like, no, we Mm -hmm. shouldn't have to do this. We shouldn't have things be this gross. And we're just going to go right back to it again. Oh, I will give this to this part is that Cheryl says, well... I think I have an idea that might not fix all your problems, but will replenish your artist's soul. And so Cheryl's still awful. But again, this piece makes sense. If the framing wasn't so bad, I would love it. Uh, Yeah. I would be down. It was just, hey, it gives you an opportunity to do some stuff and perform. And like, I know it's not your thing, but maybe we can make it more your thing. If Cheryl decides it was like, you know what? I actually do believe in this, but I also believe in it being practical and wanting to just make the world a better place. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to do with this church. Fuck my mom. I need your voice in order to make this church good. Okay, cool. But whatever. We cut on over to the fire station or what used to be the El Royale. And Frank has organized a dog adoption event. And Archie is just like, what? There's a sweet, sweet corgi in a pen. And so like, they're just, you know, 
they they called the other shelters and they they're throwing an adoption event you know some people are good and eric says hey sarge do you think it'd be okay if we call him bingo wouldn't be disrespectful archie's like no we love bingo i think he'd be honored no which is sweet which it, it is sweet but again this is where i would have liked to have gotten to know what the i would have liked to have learned what the gentleman's real name was the soldier's real name was yeah um so that we could like name the dog that and we're gonna call him bingo just like we called him like okay then it feel then it feels good i just i just saw cute puppies we do like cute puppies <laughs> well now we go to church <laughs> and kevin is gonna be the musical director and that's that's fine that also makes ton of sense there are so many people we've done theater with that like church was their outlet there are so many people when we used to be church people you know, half of that choir, half of their praise team was all former theater people. And this is their outlet now. This is this is where they get to perform. It's like, man, this is a waste. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I don't I don't want to be too close on that because I also know there are places that do really good work and that's a creative outlet. So, yeah, I'm just like I'm mostly just shitting on the megachurches that take advantage of people. This is very true. What I do love is Cheryl hand-waving her mother out of the way to bring Kevin in. Mom clearly did not know that this was happening. And as they are singing this song from Jesus Christ Superstar, which is a pretty cool song, which neither of them can sing, Penelope is like annoyed and not happy because mom didn't know this was happening. And she's like, this is going to affect my grift. Damn it. <laughs> affect my grift. And oh man, going to be like, I just finally got Cheryl on board and now she's taking it away from me. Ugh, demon children. So while they're still singing this song, go on over to the White Worm and we see Kevin have a conversation with Fangs. And Fangs is just like, hey, I'm sorry that you had to walk in on that. We were trying to figure out a way without having you spiral. And Kevin's like, my spiraling days are over. And Fangs is like, I know this might be impossible, but I'd really like us to be friends. And Kevin's like, Fangs, we are friends. And if you and Moose make each other happy, then I'm happy too. And it's when Kevin says that, that he has this twinkle in his eyes. And I'm like, Kevin is scheming. I see Kevin scheming here. I could see that, but I also cannot give the Riverdale writers enough credit and foresight to think through that kind of a plot. Well, we said that. And then they really pulled off that whole Jughead murder thing. That was really fascinating. So I think Kevin's scheming. I think he's he's just going to scheme. I think he's going to try to scheme the Blossom and scheme things here i don't know what the end game is i haven't thought that far but kevin i don't feel as me i i think kevin has an angle here with things so they we keep seeing them they're singing they're singing blah 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 blah. blah. we cut on over to reggie and he's a hell of a closer and so's veronica and they're just doing a fabulous job really selling these people and then we cut to we we hear the ending of the song it's everything's all right everything's all right kevin stands in the light and then we cut to Archie and he's in the trenches and he's yelling for bingo. And he's just yelling and he's just like, answer me, Private. That's an order. Eric, what's happening? Why isn't Private Bingo answering me? And Eric says, he's dead, Sarge. Bingo's dead. And then Archie, we hear a cell phone and Archie wakes up gasping. and He answers the phone. He's like, yeah, this is Sergeant Andrews. I was calling on behalf of my friend Corporal Jackson. And then we hear this creaking and he turns around and we see a this who we presume to be bingo this dead soldier standing there and then archie turns back around he says i think i might need some help too damn 
What a line to end on. Love it. I love it. Because it's like, yes, you do. You need a lot of help. Please get all the help, Archie. Please, please get the help. Sweet, sweet boy. You need all the therapy. Oh, sweet boy. Oh, oh, yes. He has stuff unresolved from high school, let alone the seven years he spent at war. There's never been anything that has truly been resolved. I think the only thing that is semi-resolved is Fred's death. Kind of. But but just kind of, barely. Yeah. Like, it's it's not great, but that's the only one that is not continually haunting him right now. So it's like, yes. Well, there's another episode next week. Yeah. So we're going to go watch the next time on and we'll talk a little bit about what we think that might be. All right, next week is chapter 90, The Night Gallery. This is also going to be directed by Mage Namek. Okay. That's cool. Uh, The synopsis is Cheryl enlists the help of Archie, Kevin, Fangs, and Reggie after she learns there's palladium underneath her maple groves. Betty and Alice confront a trucker who may have been involved in Polly's disappearance. Hmm. And it looks like we're going to reveal some shit. Yeah. So Archie, you know, he's freaking out. He looks like he's in a mine. Um, he's got the miner's helmet on and he's got a lantern at some point. And we see Jughead. The Jughead's finally back for like a real episode. He's been gone for these last two ones. And so we're going to deal with trying to figure out what's going on with Jughead. And Betty's going to um, torture a guy. So you know, just <laughs> your normal week on, on Riverdale. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be great. Yeah. I mean. Archie and the mining helmet makes sense when they're going to go try to find the palladium under the maple groves. Yeah, if they're going to try to like connect a different mine to the one under there, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I really don't know much. So Some weeks it's really easy to predict this show, and some weeks it's just like, well, y'all bared a lot of stuff here, but I don't know where the fuck you're going next, because y'all have jumped the shark so many times. Like, it feels like it's going to become an info dump. <laughs> Which is fine. It could be. I don't hate that. Sometimes they have to give us a whole lot of information and then we have to see how that plays out. Sometimes you just have to do that. I feel like we're going to get for sure a pretty solid explanation of the Jughead and Archie trauma. I mean, Archie's has been pretty well explained Archie's here. Archie's is explained. Yeah. But the ramifications have not been finished. I think Jughead's about to tell us what's going on. Or we're going to see what Jughead is experiencing that he may not be able to understand yet. Because he's in group. Archie, we know what's going on. And so now it's him actually confronting it. Yeah. So maybe through going therapy, it just brings up a whole lot of stuff that he had buried. And so like everything, like the sum of his life is now coming to haunt him. Which makes sense. And yeah, Jughead could be doing something very similar on his side. So yeah. Who the heck knows? Yeah, that'll be interesting. I look forward to it. Yeah. I mean, I can say this. This episode made me excited for the next one. All right. Well, until next time, hashtag Bulldogs Forever. Thanks for listening. 
be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.